0: Uh, We will be in Esther chapter 9 this morning. This is uh, part 1 of 2. So next week we will be finishing off Esther. We're doing the second half of uh, Esther 9 and then finishing Esther 10. So for those of you who are taking notes... uh, the title for this message is Such a Time for Victory. Uh, and the three points are right there. I hope you guys can can read them. So, uh, before I start, while we were online, my grandfather was listening. Uh, he asked me what a satrap was. So, just in case you guys didn't know, I'll just quickly explain that. Uh, a satrap simply was a Uh, provincial governor in Persia not much more than that Uh, so when it was saying like satraps, governors, all that he was just a governor so without further ado we will pray and then jump on into the message Uh, Heavenly Father I thank you for this morning, I thank you for letting us uh, for allowing us to meet again uh, on all the restrictions allowing us to uh It's so nice to be able to see their smiling faces while I teach. Uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, as we're coming to the end of Esther, uh, that we'll really be able to take something out of these messages, Lord, to apply to their lives. Lord, I pray this all in your name. Amen. So, Esther chapter 9. First point, the victorious Jews. In verses 1 through 5, it says, Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, uh, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. The opposite occurred, in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. The Jews gathered together in the cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, to lay hands on those who sought to, sought their harm and no one could withstand them because fear of them fell upon all people and all the officials of the provinces the satraps the governors and all those doing the king's work helped the Jews because of the fear because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them for Mordecai was great in the king's palace and his fame spread throughout all the provinces For this man Mordecai became increasingly prominent. Thus the Jews defeated all their enemies with the stroke of the sword, with slaughter and destruction, and did what they pleased with those who hated them. So the first thing we see here is that the time has now come, right? The decree that was issued in chapter 3 is now ready to be executed. And everybody who thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt. I'm gonna harm the Jews. Like we're gonna annihilate them. This decree allows us to do it. We're gonna, we're gonna go do it." They thought they were gonna overpower the Jews, but as we learned, was it? Uh, I think last week, uh, the Jews, the decree got put out for the Jews to save, like, safety for the Jews. They could, they could protect themselves. So, the enemies came in thinking they'd overpower, and the Jews ended up overpowering them. So, we're going to take a further look uh, into, into this a bit, right? So, as you guys are probably aware, the Jews had enemies, right? Yeah? Can anybody tell me, or give me an example of an enemy they had throughout the Old Testament. Yes. <laughs> Haman is an enemy. Yes. And he's dead now. Like Any examples of people groups? Any ideas? Yes. The Philistines. Philistines is a great one. Yes. Uh, to name a few others for you. Starting... From the beginning of them till like David and them, right? So there was the Canaanites. The Canaanites were the people that the Jews took the land from at first. Under Joshua, they came in, took the land of Canaan. There's the Philistines, the Amalekites, the Amalekites being what Haman was a descendant of. There was the Midianites, the Moabites. The Ammonites, the Edomites, and really any other ites you can think of hated the Jews. (laughs) Um, That's just a few, right? Really, the Jews have always had enemies. They've always had people coming in trying to take stuff from them. And they will always have people coming in trying to take stuff from them. Right? Like, without going into detail, I don't know if you guys read the news or anything, Palestine is bombing Israel, and they have been for years. So they still have their enemies. People still say the land isn't theirs. They're always going to be attacked. No matter what happens, they always get attacked. right? Israel, they're bombing because they believe Israel is their land, but we all know it's not. Right? So once again, we see the enemies of the Jews trying to take them out, even though the Jews had a decree issued for their safety, not saying that the, gov- that the government or the empire was going to protect them, but that they could protect themselves. And it didn't end well for the enemies, right? The enemies thought they were going to overpower, now they're themselves being overpowered. They obviously thought that they were going to succeed. Just like every enemy of the Jews thought they were going to succeed. Think about Hitler. He thought he was going to succeed. He almost did. Haman himself thought he was going to succeed. But you guys all know what happened to Haman, right? Yeah, he didn't succeed. <laughs> Thank you for that. That was great. Uh, right? It says, If you look at uh, Numbers 24, <laughs> verse 9, it says, The nation is like a mighty lion. When it is sleeping, no one dares to wake it. Whoever blesses Israel will be blessed, and whoever curses Israel will be cursed. God has put his protection over the country. Nobody, if you decide to attack them, you're not going to be blessed. But if you decide to side with them, you will. And we see that through here, that even when the decree was issued that the Jews could defend themselves, many people throughout the, nation, throughout the empire became Jews. Or not necessarily like worshipping the God, but like at least inquiring, like, how can I become a Jew? Like, I want to be saved. I want to be protected. Right? So when you try to attack God's people, things don't end well. Right? Yes, we already know that uh, Israel has been attacked by like Babylon, by Persia, by Hitler and the Germans, right? And all these people attack them and take them captive. That's one thing, to take them captive. God is teaching them through that. When they get attacked, it's just for their, like a learning process for them. Like, hey, you did something wrong. This is the punishment. But it's a different thing to try to annihilate them completely. Right? And that's what was trying to, like, that's what was being uh, attempted, being attempted here, right? The second thing I wanted to discuss with you guys here is that Mordecai is feared by all the officials of Persia. Now, just like, like I did say this last week, you know, Mordecai took over the position of Haman, and, you know, he worked so hard, and, you know, he climbed that ladder of success all by himself to get where he was. Does that sound right? No? No, God blessed him, right? Mordecai did the little things. He did his job. He did what was given to him, right? Right? See, with Esther, she set it all in motion, the protection of the Jews. She set it all in motion by stepping up, by acting, standing for what she believed, refusing, like everything that we've learned so far, like all the such a times for, or such a times to. She stepped up. She set it all in motion. Mordecai now is the one fulfilling it, watching over the Jews, protecting them. In this thought, uh, of how Mordecai was feared in great power and had great power, I'm reminded of Luke 16, 10, which says, he, is who, he who, is in, who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is, in, who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. See, Mordecai was faithful in the duty that he had, right? He was at the king's gate, he, uh, he did his job went to esther when he found out the news of the people uh the decree going out he mourned he was like come on Esther, we need to do something do you think you will be saved you think you'll be safe in the king's palace he was faithful and and so being faithful in the little god's blessing him and giving him much right we see the same thing with haman haman was not faithful in the little He abused his power. He was unjust, and being unjust in a little was proven that he was unjust in much. Right? Haman and Mordecai are the polar opposites. You know, I can, I can see and like understand Mordecai a little more just because of everything in my life that I've gone through. Right? Like, see, I went to Bible college right? And I had the emphasis of pastoral ministry. I wanted to be in ministry. I wanted to teach. I wanted to do what I'm doing now. I came out of Bible college expecting that everything was going to be handed to me on a silver platter. That everything that I was, that I'm like, oh, I just got my degree. I'm going to go into my church and I'm going to be the youth pastor. That's not how it works, right? I have to be faithful in the little that I had. I so badly wanted to be in ministry I skipped steps. I was crossing that stream where there's the stones, right? And tried jumping all of them. Tried basically instead of walking the stones, I tried to jump the river itself. Right? I needed to be faithful in what he had given me. Then I needed to take the baby steps in what I did to get where I am. I couldn't just graduate and go into teaching. Right? So Mordecai was faithful in little, and then he was given much. He did what he needed to do faithfully. what he was given faithfully. And God blessed him. God was raising up Mordecai, just like he raised up Esther. All for the specific point to save his people. Right, His people were now being watched over and protected. They had a prime minister of the empire who was one of them to save them. Right? And now we're seeing the enemies defeated. We're seeing the enemies just falling down and, and not to rise up. Right? The Jews not only had Mordecai and Esther on their side, not only did they have the king of Persia on their side, they had the king of kings. They had God. Right? as it says in Romans 8.31, when they say, or when we say to these, uh, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God was for them. And thus, the Jews were victorious. This This was such a time for victory for the Jews. And that day will be coming soon as well, where there will be peace on earth, There will be victory. You just need to be looking forward to it, right? Moving on to the second point this morning. uh, Haman's sons killed. Uh, Verses 6 through 10. Just so you guys know, before I read this, I will not be repeating the names of his sons just because uh, you'll you'll see. I'm going to struggle through this one. Uh, so it says in verses 6 through 10, and, and in Shushan the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. Also, Parshandatha, Dalfon, Asp- uh, Aspatha, Poratha, Adalia, Eridatha, Parmashda, Ar- Arasea, Arasea, Aradea, and Vajasatha. The 10 sons of Haman of Hamadatha. The enemies of the Jews they killed, but they did not lay hand on the plunder. See, I kind of struggle through that, right? That's, I'd love to see you guys, like, can can any of you, like, pick a name, see if you can pronounce it. No? Yeah, I know, it's, you kind of just have to roll with it, right? You know, reading the names, going through genealogies, you kind of have to be, like, confident. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is how it's pronounced. My favorite, though, by far, is, uh, Vajazatha, Vajazatha, like, that's a dude's name? Like, it me back, 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 back. I mean, Vashi's easier to pronounce, though, Vajazatha, like, who puts that, those letters in, like, who, who would do that to their child? I mean, like, think about how, how much you would be picked on today for that name alone, like, you kind of have to, like, roll with it, though, too, right? Uh, so, on these verses, there's not much to say. Or at least when I first started started this and I wrote that, um, there wasn't much to say. But there actually is quite a bit in these these uh, five verses, right? So, what we get to see here is the number of people who opposed the Jews in Shushan. And it's not saying in these verses in, throughout the entire country of Persia. It's based in this... these five verses. It's just going through what happened in the citadel, in, this main, in the capital city. So, we see that there were five, 500 people. I was going to ask you how many, but you, it's a simple answer, right? Not only were there 500 people killed. Who else was killed? Yeah, another simple answer, right? It's, pretty, it's, it's right there in the text, right? So, on this one day in Shushan alone, there was 510 people killed. Exactly. There were 510, it's 500 men, plus the ten sons of Haman. So it counted? They counted, yeah. But 510. Now we found out. All right, we don't know the entire population of Shushan exactly, okay? But a rough estimation would say that there's approximately half a million people in the city alone. It's 500,000 people. Out of 500,000 people, 510 people were killed. Now that seems like an insignificant number. Now don't worry, I did the math for you guys. That's approximately 0.1% of the population were killed. 0.1% of the population attacked the Jews. Now if if the decree didn't go out, to save the Jews, think about how many Jews would have died. Probably would have been more. We don't know the exact number of Jews in the city. I know. Tim, you look like you're falling asleep. I know there's a lot of math involved. (laughs) Uh, We don't know the exact number of Jews in the city. First off, there's there's a lot of there's one main reason. The Jews were never to uh, complete like a census. They were never supposed to count their people. It was one of the Uh, rules set by God, they were to be numerous, more than the sands of the sea. So we were never supposed to be like, hey, we're going to do a census. This is how many people are in the land. Uh, So we don't actually know. But I can assume uh, I putting this is like extremely what's the word? Did I write it down? Um, It's a guess, okay? It's a speculation. Extremely speculative. I'm going to say that there were approximately 2,500 Jews in Shushan, okay? So, say there was. That's 5% of the population. Now, having 0.1% of the population killed compared to 5% of the population killed. That's a big number. That is better because... Was it 5%? Yeah, it was. So having that done was better, right? That's 10 10 times as many people could have been killed. So the king being worried, like, you're going to lose a lot of money... If, like taking Haman's money, you remember that whole conversation with uh, how much money he would have lost. He wasn't really going to win that at all. He saved money. Realistically, he saved money, right? The going off that. Uh, this ultimately was a great choice. Just off of the speculative numbers alone, to not let the Jews be annihilated. The second thing I wanted to mention here is that Haman's sons were attacked, or this Haman's sons attacked the Jews and were killed. Haman's sons died fighting the same enemy that their dad died fighting, just. They actually fought the Jews. Haman was setting them up for annihilation and then got executed. Either way, they were fighting the same enemy. The only difference is that Haman was hung and he was alive in that process, uh, and his sons were already dead, right? But that we'll find out oh, they're hanging in a little bit. Um, In all of this, the Jews didn't plunder, I mentioned that last week that uh, they had the right to, within their decree, they had the right to plunder, but they don't, right? Even though they had all the rights to do so, they didn't. Matthew, Matthew Henry put it this way. He said, their commission empowered them to destroy the families of their enemies, even the little ones, and the women but their humanity forbid them to do that though they did, though that was designed against them they slew none of those they found none but those they found in arms and therefore they did not take the spoil but left it to the women and the little ones whom they spared for their subsistence Otherwise, as good slay them as starve them, take away their lives as take away their livelihoods. Herein they acted with a consideration and compassion well worthy of imitation. See, they could have looted. They could have plundered, right? The people fought them. They were defending themselves. They could have easily been like, well, they fought us. They attacked us. So their money, everything that they have, well, we could take it, right? We were allowed to. But they didn't. They, did, they could have even the fam, like, slain the entire family that attacked them. Even if it was just the men. But they didn't. They, they showed humanity. Do you think that would have show, been shown against them? No. The decree was to kill all the Jews. Their decree against them was to annihilate them completely. And their enemy wouldn't have shown them the same mercy that they showed their enemy it's a difference they have they had humanity and it forbid them to do so right even though we have the right to do something doesn't mean it is right to do it right just having the right to do something doesn't mean you should just go ahead do it right we need to be careful in what we do And moving on to the last point this morning, uh, we're going to be reading through uh, 11, uh, verse 11 through 17. It says On that day, the number of those killed in Shushan the citadel was brought to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men in Shushan the citadel and the 10 sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. Or what is your further request? It shall be done. Then Esther said, If it pleases the king, let it be granted to the Jews who are in Shushan to do again according to today's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. The decree was issued in Shushan, and and they hanged Haman's ten sons. And the Jews who were in in Shushan gathered together again on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar and killed three hundred men in Shushan, but did not lay a hand on the plunder. The remainder of the Jews in the king's provinces gathered together and protected their lives had rest from their enemies, and killed 75,000 of their enemies, but did not lay a hand on the plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th day of the month they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. So in verses 11 and 12, we see that the number was brought towards the king. Right. This is followed once again by the king asking Esther, "What is your petition?" Now I don't see Esther coming in like, King, like I have a request, but it says, "What is her petition?" So she must have asked again. Right. So he hears the numbers for the dead and asks what happened in the rest of his empire. Following, saying, "What else can I do?" He wanted to make this right. He wanted to help the Jews the best he could. I find this really interesting because it's showing growth in the king, right? You guys remember in Esther one what he did to Vashti, right? the The wise man literally just came to him and said. You need to exile her. The rest of the, country, the, rest of the empire is going to rise up and revolt. All these women are going are to riot and all this stuff because they're going to learn from what Vashti did. Right? So he was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we're going to banish her. We're just banish. Like, she's gone. She's exiled. Right? Okay. Like, he didn't even think about what he did, and then later he regretted it. Right? He went to war, lost, came back like, oh, man, I want Vashti back. He always did stuff without asking. He always did stuff and then later regretted it. But here, he's not, right? Here, he wants to know exactly what is happening. He asks and the, the, he asks and the numbers get brought to him, like this is what happened in Shushan. This is how many people died today. Uh, and uh, he's like, okay, what happened to the rest of my prophets? What happened in the rest of my empire? Right? He, he's growing. He's showing growth. He's wanting to know what happened, and he wants to act on the facts of what is happening. Right? The next thing we see is Esther's response. Esther, uh, her response is that the Jews defend themselves for another day and have Haman's ten son, sons, uh, sons hung. Uh, through studying this, I came across the idea, uh, the idea that many people use this, uh, this request that she has to show that Esther is vindictive. Uh, if you don't know what vindictive means, um, it's showing that she's power hungry is showing that she is relentless and that she doesn't show mercy. Right? But Warren Wearsby put it in an interesting way, which I tend to agree with. He said, Haman's strongest support was in the capital city, where people had bowed down to him and benefited from his favors. Since it would be easy for them to get together and plan their strategy, Esther wanted to wanted to be sure that none of them would survive to cause further trouble. Perhaps she had received private intelligence that Haman's supporters had planned to attack again the next day, prompting her to ask Ahasuerus for permission to extend the Jews' right to defend themselves. See, I agree with this. Notice that she doesn't ask that in every province of the empire that the Jews be able to defend, defend themselves. She just asks, hey, can those who are in Shushan defend themselves again? Just one more day. Right? The second reason as to why I tend to believe that this is the thought uh, that she had is that she had the ten sons, asked that the ten sons of Haman, already being dead, be hung. I believe she was trying to make a statement. Right? having the 10 sons hung, everybody would see it, right? Just like they, everybody saw on the 50 foot tall impalement stick, uh, Haman, right? They wanted, he, she wanted to make sure that there was a statement made, that those who tried to attack the Jews would have the same fate. Those who, like Haman and his sons, fought back, wouldn't survive. They will lose that fight. You know, we then read in verses uh, 14 through 17. Uh, so the king commanded that it be done. The decree was issued in Shushan, and, the ten, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. And the Jews who were in Shushan gathered together again on the 14th day of the month of Adar, and killed 300 men at Shushan. But they did not lay a hand on the plunder. Right? They. So, all was done that Esther had requested. Right? The ten sons were hung. The Jews were allowed to defend themselves one more day. There's something I'd like to point out here for you guys. The command was given, there there was a command given to Saul. I don't know if you guys have read 1 Samuel or are fluent in 1 Samuel or like knowledgeable about 1 Samuel. But in 1 Samuel 15, there was a command from God through Samuel given to Saul, right? Saul was the king at the time. Samuel came to him and said, uh, in 1 Samuel 15, 2-3, 2-3, through three. thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on, on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek, and utterly destroy all they have, and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and, and nursing child, oxen, sheep, camel, and donkey." See, Saul was given that command, and he completely failed. Hence, why Haman was around. If he had succeeded, Haman wouldn't have been there to issue the decree, and the Jews wouldn't have been harmed. Now, it's not saying that Haman not being there, that the decree wouldn't have somehow gotten out some other way, and with all the enemies the Jews have, that it wouldn't have happened but it would have had a higher chance that his people wouldn't have been put in this situation in the first place. But Saul failed, right? This all happened because of that. Now, what God had wanted from the beginning is being fulfilled, right? God wanted it... uh, Wanted it to be completed through the death er, it was it was being completed through the death of Haman in chapter seven and the death of his ten sons here in chapter nine. Something else that's interesting is that Mordecai is from the same line as Saul. We read when we were introduced to Mordecai that he was a son of Kish. Saul was also a son of Kish. So The the command given from God was to Saul, the son of Kish, to destroy the Amalekites completely and utterly wipe them off the face of the earth. And he failed. And now, Mordecai, yes? So you said that every person, not everybody, but most of the good people that ended in night didn't like the Jews. There were a lot of nations around the Israelites that were called, they basically were like you know how we have like a Canadian, American. Uh, that's basically the same thing as it. It's just making a people group. It's like they're from Edom, so they're Edomites. Basically, all the all the nations around were like Edom, uh, Am- Amalek, Moab, Canaan. So they were the Canaanites, the Moabites. <laughs> right. So. Where Saul failed, Mordecai succeeded. Saul failed being a son of Kish. God used another son of Kish to succeed. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Right? We then get to see that on the 14th day, that is the next day, the Jews killed 300 more men. And being allowed to take the plunder did not. Right? Right? No Jew throughout the entire empire looted. Right? It is incredible reading the number of those killed as a result of the Jews defending themselves, right? It said that 75,000 people were killed. Now, once again, if you take that in context with the entire population of the entire empire, it's not even a speck. But that means there were 75,000 people that were willing to disregard the decree that the Jews could defend themselves and still try. If the Jews didn't have that, think about the number of people, the number of those who would have come against the Jews. They would have been annihilated. Right? So 75,000 people killed if you divide that through each empire, or each, not empire, through each province, that's about 600 people per province that were killed. That's that's a lot of people. Even though the number could have been bigger. Right? The Jews had their enemies, but now they were standing victorious. And next week, uh, we will be going into uh, the last study in Esther and we'll be diving into the Feast of Purim. I like the Feast of Purim. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so that's just something for you guys to look forward to. Uh, it's a great time. I think you guys will enjoy that message. So in conclusion, my three points were the victorious Jews God was for the Jews, and when God is for us, who can be against us? Mordecai and Esther were faithful in what they were given to do, and victory came from it. Haman's sons were killed uh, and the Jew, out of the Jews defending themselves, and it was 510 people killed uh, for attacking the Jews. And then there was the uh, extension request that the Jews had victory, and within that victory, God had, com- uh, had a, a victory. A command from God was fulfilled by another of the line of Kish. So let's pray, and then I'll go into the quite, uh, figuring out prizes for online. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Uh, I just thank you for the Book of Esther and everything like you're teaching me through uh, through it to then pass on to these kids. Lord, uh, I just pray as we're coming to an end of it that uh, these guys will really get something out of it uh, that they can apply to their lives, Lord. Uh, I just pray for their weeks. I pray for the restrictions and everything that's going on, Lord, that uh, it'll all go as planned, Lord. I pray this all in your name. <clears throat> Amen.